Hi everyone, it's Pleasance from the Lola community and today's episode is all about Ayurveda and the inner voice. So what I want to do here in this episode is give a little bit of connection and teaching and and um, information really, a foundation of information about how these modalities link together and how we can use um, the practices and the teachings that we share in the Lola community in your real life and how they play out. So I wanted to back up a little bit um, and go a little bit deeper into the more um, counseling side of Ayurveda, the more psychological side of Ayurveda, and then how we use the teachings as a um, lifestyle as a, we use the basic teachings of Ayurveda in our life as our lifestyle habits. Um, there's a lifestyle medicine school at Harvard now. Um, it's popping up all over, but I just want to always kind of go back to the roots or at least honor some of these traditions. You know, modern science is so wonderful and um, has brought forth the research around lifestyle habits. But let's also be clear that um, humans for all of time have been, who have been curious about vitality, health, um, vibrancy, purpose, mission, meaning, dharma uh, in the Vedic tradition, in lots of different traditions, right? We've had these big life questions. And I think that one of the things that we've done in, in Western psychology is we have put so much emphasis on the mind and the mind patterns and thoughts. And we've created this system, the one-to-one therapy system. Um, that's pretty much the dominant model and has been for a long time where one person who is the therapist or the counselor sits, you know, and listens and absorbs while the other person is just a talking head. And sometimes the therapist will give some advice or tools, or I had so many therapists over the years, just nod. I had one lady who used to wear <laughs> like really, really, really a lot of blue eyeshadow. And she would do the nod, like, you know, when you'd close your eyes and sort of fall forward, she would do the nod in our sessions. And why did I go back week after week? She was, I was clearly boring her and, or she was tired and, or it was very hot in there and sticky and, oh, it just did not feel right. And I remember walking out of those sessions, you guys, just like feeling worse, really feeling um, trapped, feeling unsettled, feeling isolated, feeling lonely. So obviously she wasn't a really great therapist, I don't think for me. Uh, but the model, you know, it was really hard to find anything beyond the model. And you know, that whole saying, you don't know what you don't know. Like I didn't know that there were other options. I didn't know. I wasn't exposed to somatic healing. I wasn't exposed to holistic therapies and integrative therapies and quote unquote alternative therapies and models. I didn't know that all of my pain was living in the body and I was desperately seeking ways to relieve the pain through therapy and then at night through drinking and 
other naughty behaviors in college and in high school and in young adulthood, you know, I just sort of was constantly looking for relief. I was looking for inner peace. I was looking to quiet the storm inside. And I did all the things I was told to do. I went to the best schools in the country, um, found my way there. I'm not quite sure how, considering I'm not really um, you know, the most quote unquote intelligent. I never had the highest scores on any of the tests. I don't have any particular skills that are exceptional in athletics or in art or anything. You know, I just kind of was like an average um, uh, connector, extremely emotional, um, always service. Um, giving, community-oriented, always, you know, president of the community service club and starting Girl Scout troops in high school, um, always passionate about community and humans. But in our education system, that actually doesn't translate into like it, the, the path that I ended up taking in my education is so funny because it's like, I feel so grateful. I, I really went to fantastic institutions for learning um, this amazing boarding school in Connecticut, um, half boarding, half day, and being able to study at Tel Aviv University, being able to study at George Washington University, being able to go to the University of Pennsylvania. I mean, just incredible institutions of learning. And I always kind of felt like, how did I get here? Do I belong here? Um, not really, but then I'd be there and just be so in love with the moment. And the seeking, right? This trying to do outside. If you told me this was a great place, I would just believe you and do it and follow and follow and follow. And, you know, I think that um, going back to the therapist with the blue eyeshadow, um, I felt frustrated because, you know, this was the thing that was supposed to help, right? Having a therapist. So eventually I stopped going to her sessions um, and just decided I was going to take myself off some medication that they had put me on. And that wasn't a good idea. I mean, I really think there, I remember the summer that I did that and I, I was living on my own in DC and I was pretty wild and it was, um, a really hard time because I had left this therapist and taken myself off medication. And that's like highly, highly not recommended. So trying to find my way again, you know, I was in the middle of college, I think it was right before my sophomore, junior year, it was right before I met Mel. Um, it was just feeling really lost. And the reason that I go back to this is because the lifestyle aspects of what I learned starting in yoga and then moving into Ayurveda are what have profoundly shifted the wiring in the brain. So in my brain. So I tried through that that one-on-one -on -one therapy model, but when I, I sort of like kept hitting walls and or repeating behaviors or like I'd go down a road and then I would just land there and the therapist would just stare at me. There would be no um, sort of forward thinking motion. There would be no somatics integrated into it. We weren't working with the body. So it was still stuck in the body and these behaviors and patterns were still, I was just very much in a, a repeated pattern. So the point of this is when I got to yoga, I told you guys this before and, and started exploring in all different ways, the shapes in my body and all of this energy started to be released in ways that had never been released in the 20 years of therapy. Woo, then I started having all just shedding, shedding personalities, uh, identities, friendships, 
shifting, expanding, all this sort of started happening. Not, not like overnight, but pretty quickly um, there was, I could feel a difference in the body. I could feel alive. All these places in my body that had been shut off and closed off started to feel alive. So it's kind of like the rubber band ball. Once, once I started feeling that, I just kept opening and opening to it. There's this one moment I remember so clearly, so specifically, um, I was still teaching at the time. I was taking a lot of yoga classes at Flow Yoga Center in DC, um, especially Jiva Mukti. It was like my favorite practice. I would go as much as I could. And there's this one moment I was in Jill's class and I turned my heart, I was in a triangle pose and I opened my arms and my heart lifted up towards the window and I looked up and the sun was, oh, it was like my heart and the sun were, were communicating. It was like there was these rays flowing back and forth and I just took this deep breath and my whole body tingled and that was a moment of awakening. It was happening slowly. That was probably like three or four years into um, a really committed and devoted practice. But at that moment is the one that I really remember so clearly as feeling embodied and feeling free in the body. And then, you know, when I sort of closed the pose and turned my head down, I lost that connection. And I for years after that was like, I just want to get back to that feeling, that feeling that I felt there. How can I bring that back? And so when you be, when you adapt these, these mind body practices as lifestyle, not as like, Oh, I have to do this one more thing, but as I'm so interested and curious to see how I'll live. If I use intuitive movement in my body, if I breathe into my body and I open and close my arms and I think about nature, I think about the sun and the moon and the earth, and I relate my heart center to that. I relate my own energy, right? So if we're thinking of the chakras from the root chakra to the top, how can I relate my own energy centers to the energy of the world? And and that type of turning towards, that type of referencing of um, orienting yourself, as Kate Stillman always says, orient yourself towards greatness. Um, uh, that's what I really began to do uh, that many years ago. This is before kids and all of that. So when I closed the studio four years ago, there was a deep, deep yearning, calling, and longing for peace and quiet. I had been on overdrive for so long. And so when Ayurveda came sort of flirting back with me, right, I wasn't really practicing any lifestyle, any intentional lifestyle Ayurvedic practices at this time. I was really too busy raising kids, having babies, moving studios, closing studios, traveling. Woo, it was a lot. And once I closed the studio and I had time for rest and quiet and space. And I started to trust that inner being and trust that inner voice who had told me to close the studio and who had guided me towards this beautiful life where all of my wildest dreams had been manifested, Sailor and Milo and my relationship with Mel and this beautiful home um, where we could walk to everything and have a backyard and green and trees. I mean, 
there was so much right here already that I wasn't able to connect and focus on and with due to the pace of my lifestyle. And so when Ayurveda became, when I started feeling the pull and the longing and the call to study with female teachers who were talking about a different kind of Ayurveda, an Ayurveda that was feminine, an Ayurveda that was about Um, healing the mind, the ancestors, the practices, intuitive eating, intuitive movement, not rigid lists, but more integrating into this lifestyle medicine. And not just looking at food as an in for Ayurveda, but looking at the rhythm of sleep, the rhythm of sacred time and prayer in the morning, the, the shifting of seasonal movement practices and eating practices and deep care practices really looking at Ayurveda as the deepest self-care in honor of our own energy, health, vitality. It blew my mind, as you guys know, because I have not stopped talking about it <laughs> since then. But the, the point is that that type of commitment to daily life um, is what strengthened and open this vessel for the inner voice, the inner being that you hear me talking so much now about and working with, like the clearing of the vessel, the pain, the emotions that I've felt and gone through, the relationships that have been shed, the identities. You know, we are growing, evolving beings. We are alive. There should be growth. Your friend circle, your job, your marriage, your parenting, Like all of those things should be vibrant and dynamic and ever changing and shifting. That's what being alive means. And we see that right now with the trees, with the earth. We can feel the pregnancy of the earth. It's just like full bloom. It's just here. There's green and flowers. It's incredible. I'm looking at this tree right now and it's so windy and it's just the whole earth breathing and whispering and smiling to us like, look at me. And when we choose to look at her as our guide, all of this wisdom flows through. That is not really something I can go into here because it's personal, it's intimate, and it's unique to my own beat, my own heartbeat, my own dharma, my own purpose, just like you have that for you. So I was talking to my friend the other day and we were talking about midlife and we're talking about all the changes and talking about the the pace, she has a lot, a lot going on. There's a lot, um, multiple children and a big job, and there's just a lot, you know. Um, and we were talking about transformation, life changes in midlife, and you know, I said I don't know anybody who really has done the kinds of deep healing work, transformation, and connection work that um, their soul calls for with a lot of other people or a lot going on. Like the truth is this part of our journey, this part of our experience is mostly in some kind of solitude or some kind of, like this is a process you have to go through on your own. And this is a paradox because obviously I lead a lot of circles around transformation and healing and women and men and like all the teachings and all the stuff that we're so passionate and excited about. But it really is on your own. And it's a dance between the both. It's like the circle and the container and the accountability help you um, feel that such a deep connection, like the community care model that we're building. And 
the walk in nature alone is like your intimate love affair with your life and nature. So there's like a private version and a public version, and you don't have to share everything and you get to savor and honor. Like there's just so many things that have happened, especially the past um, like two, three months while my foot was broken and I was here at home for COVID. Like there's so many things that have happened that have been unbelievably beautiful and connected that are just between me and my inner being, the moon, the sun, the earth, um, we have our own relationship that is really strengthening. And that is very grounding. It's very grounding. It really helps you connect to purpose and meaning. And that is what the Ayurvedic counseling is. That's what Vedic counseling, Vedic wisdom is like. Let's use the principles of our practices of um, times in nature of time, best times of day to eat. Like the bottom line is if you have a big dinner at 8 PM with meat and potatoes and everything, and then you try to go to sleep, your body is still in digestion mode. It's not able to understand, Oh, it's now time for rest. So just pushing up your dinner time, pushing to, to an earlier time allows your body to have proper time to rest, proper time to digest, the food and the dinner. And then when it's time to go to sleep, it's like, oh, I know what I'm supposed to do now because you are helping me eat in that rhythm and following some of these Ayurvedic rhythms that really help the vessel. If you wake up, drink warm water and have a bowel movement, it helps you be clearer and have more energy for the day so that you can play with your kids and write your books and go to work and do all the things you want to do. But when we push against that. It's called a crime of wisdom. We have these crimes of wisdom that we that we uh, commit. And when we go against wisdom, we disrupt the flows of the body, which thus disrupts the mind, uh, elimination, sleep, all of the factors. If you can get into harmony, you're sleeping, you're pooping, you're eating, you're resting, your creativity, everything flows to you. All you see is abundance everywhere. All you see is love, connection, harmony. And when someone in your life is sick or is dying or someone loses their job, you have a compassionate heart from which to act appropriately. Not get enmeshed, not get all up in their business, not over care, but to actually be present with someone who is suffering is a gift. Because I know when I'm suffering, I don't necessarily need all the people coming in to do all the things. I I want to breathe and I want to feel so that I can move through the emotions of life, the storms of life. And that is sovereignty. That is freedom. That's sovereignty. That's power. And if I do that for myself and I show my kids in our house how to do that just because I'm doing it, that is how we, we, we strengthen families, we strengthen relationships. Because anyone who's listening to this, I trust you 100% to do what's right for you. Because I trust myself 100% to do what's right for me. I am not going to give you information that could be great and awesome for you right now. I am saying, 
try this. This has worked for me. What do you think about it? How does that work for you? What do you notice? Notice, 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 right? It's the, it's the art of awareness really is what these Ayurvedic practices are. So some of the basic ones, I mean, I have tons of information on the website and you could do a call with me, anything like there's lots of good Ayurvedic information out there. The key is finding the flow and identifying right now what works for you. So in our Ayurveda year-long group, some of us are doing challenges this week for ourselves that we set for ourselves based on how we were feeling, our energy, our creativity, our, our elimination, our hunger levels, like exploring the inner life and really listening is the lifestyle path from which you can navigate that deeper connection and relationship to inner voice. And let me say this, there may be something in your body that is asking to be healed in some way. So there may be an abuse, there may be something you're holding on to, there may be, we call it pain body or emotional bean bags. You know, um, there may be emotion stuck somewhere in your body and your inner voice might guide you to heal that in order to feel more free. So it's not as if, oh, I'm going to start, you know, these simple Ayurvedic lifestyle practices. <laughs> and I haven't actually, I have a really great sheet that has like an overview of them. If you want it, just email me and I'll email it to you. Um, but I, um, you know, there's these, it, it's not as if this is what I want to say about the connection between Ayurveda and the inner voice. When you have lifestyle habits and practices that invite you to be the most fullest, brightest, boldest, most beautiful version of yourself, sometimes those practices in your inner being lead you to the right teacher, the right healer, the right circle, the right book that you need at that time to move that energy through. So I do believe that your inner voice and your inner being and your Ayurvedic practices will guide you to exactly what you need. There may be a period when you when you're hearing go get help with this, whether you're building a business and it's marketing, whether it's um you know, you've been working with the same therapist and your inner voice is saying let go of this therapist and go on your own or your inner voice is saying go get a therapist, you need to deal with this. And there's tons of different types of therapists now, family systems, Bowen systems, integral um, there's therapy from the Jungian, which is great because it works with archetypes. Like there's, you don't have to go to the classic, um, mind psychotherapy. Um, again, there's just so many variations now and lots of therapists have added on Brene Brown's work and coaching work. And, and it's just a beautiful time to get deep healing at every level. And it's not as if your lifestyle practices and your inner being are all clean. If you have not done the cleaning up of emotions, of communication, you may have something in a relationship you still need to say. You may have something in the body you need to feel. You may have something in the mind that's that's hooking and like an RTT would be really good for you. So my point is that your clearing out the vessel and the system will help guide you exactly to where you need to be. And my example of that is, um, you know, I was getting really bored. Like I wasn't finding any sort of like books or anything to listen to just kind of in this like void period of just enjoying silence and music and singing and dancing just kind of like by myself. 
And then when COVID hit, I was like, oh, I wonder what will show up next. And then this amazing songwriting class and my inner voice just got all the tingles and it was like, yes, yes, yes. So I signed up for this amazing songwriting class. that's just been so fun and transformative in so many creative and interesting ways. It just brings me pure joy to be in it and to this prayer intensive um, Kabbalah class. And so I've been in this tree of life prayer intensive for a month. And that is my inner voices way of like just playing and dancing and learning. And it's intense and it's beautiful. And like, Oh, I just love it so much. So I, um, like my inner being, it didn't stop me from going to find things that brought me joy. It just led me there. And, you know, other things would come up and I was like, you know, so many people sent me, there was this, um, like science of well being course that, it was from Yale that went online when this all happened and like 10 people sent me the link to it. And I just was like, I don't, that doesn't sound fun to me right now. Like I, not like I know it all. I don't mean it like that, but just like, that's not what I'm interested in like learning about right now or, or I'm not drawn to that circle. I'm not drawn to like seeing more of that. And probably because I've spent like a good part of the past 10 years teaching that, reading it, the science of, of happiness, like teaching it at AU, teaching it in Thrive. Like I don't necessarily want to continue to spend time there because I really feel like that's an area where I've really integrated as much as I know how to flow with the harmony of life and the seasons um, feel pretty strong in sort of manifesting and attracting exactly um, using the mind, but also using, like, I know that a lot of that manifesting is in privilege and trying to, not trying to, but like actively um, giving and being very generous and seeing how things flow back to me in all kinds of interesting ways, not just money. Generosity and abundance to me is a huge, huge, vast, deep, wide field um, that's just constantly in motion and money is a part of it, but it is not all of it. The generosity of spirit and giving and abundance that I feel and using privilege, um, as a way to uplift others and invite others into the dance of life, um, is really, really fun. So, um, you know, this kind of ebb and flow of following um, interests and growing and not staying in the same circles or conversations is just so important. So whew, that was a lot. I hope that it was somewhat interesting and that you can, again, find for yourself the ways to make connections. But I did want to draw this connection between how Ayurveda and the inner voice work together. Also, just sort of the last basic on this is if you are following your inner being, it is leading you into perfect harmony with your doshas. So whatever your natural um, dosha set point, your constitution is, how you were born um, with the lifestyle practices of clearing the vessel and working with Vedic counseling and that kind of thing on top of listening to inner being, like when you, not on top of, not one more thing, it's all integrated, it's all together, it's all one, then you kind of can find this flow to be in harmony to do exactly what you are here to do, um, which really is that purpose. And you don't have to do anything more, you get to just be your divine self. So it's about flowing with harmony in the seasons, the Ayurvedic lifestyle helps you do that, helps you listen to your inner voice, 
for food, for movement, for writing, for play. And then the more you listen to your inner being in harmony, not external expectations, not other people, um, but you use them to, to do your own investigation, uh, then that true dharmic purpose and alignment, um, it just completely radiates. So may we be happy, may we be safe, may we be healthy, 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 healthy of body, of mind, of soul, of spirit, of source, and may we live with ease.